Hello and welcome to the Do One Better podcast in philanthropy, sustainability, and social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Alberto Ligi from London. Please click that subscribe button and follow us if you're not doing so already, and do leave us a rating and a review. It helps others to find this show as well. Today, it's an absolute pleasure to welcome onto the show Dershita Gillis, founder and chief executive officer of Munch. Munch is an impact management platform. They are a B Corp and they inform asset managers and corporates, philanthropists and funders on impact tracking, impact management. We're going to be learning about their platform, their work they're doing and their growth aspirations as they aim to scale things up and drive forward the global sustainability agenda. So without further ado, Darshi, a big heartfelt welcome onto the Do One Better podcast today. Thank you, Alberto. Looking forward to this conversation. Excellent. It's great to see you again. I know we saw each other late last year in December uh, at the same philanthropy conference here. And I'd love to start finding out a little bit about Manch. What's that all about? Yeah, it's it's this year is going to be our fifth year as Munch. Um, I started Munch. Munch means platform, by the way, in Hindi. And I started Munch with a singular vision, which is how do we mobilize capital towards sustainability? And when the Sustainable Development Goals were released in 2015, for three consecutive years, I was at the UN presenting the big data that came in from the 192 nations and creating visualizations to really understand where countries are with regards to sustainability and what kind of policies and what kind of business ideas and what initiatives investors and philanthropists, nonprofits could venture together on to actually achieve these goals in the next 15 years. And as I started to present this data, one thing became very clear. We weren't leveraging data. And there was there are so many sustainability data sets. They're all fragmented. And this means that when someone is making a financial decision, whether it's money they give, whether it's money they invest, or whether it's money they spend, they don't have data sets that inform them on the actual impact on people and planet. So the singular idea of Munch is how do we make decision-making an impact-inclusive exercise? And how do we bring those data sets into the fold of how we give, spend, and invest our monies? And that's what Munch is all about. It's, it's, it's uh, by no means you know, sort of um, uh, an easy venture to take on, uh, but um, as they say, you know, sort of the journey to, to the moon has to be planned into single steps. And, and that's what we've done is we've broken it down into what is it that we can do now and here and there and there, and then um, slowly built the company around it. Excellent. And give us a little bit of an insight of what the platform actually looks like, who's using it, how does it all come together? In terms of the Munch solutions, um, we have three solutions or three audiences who we work with. We started our journey with philanthropy and we built a, a tech platform that allows for nonprofits to raise money, but more, more than raise money, our primary focus has been how do we help them standardize how they can report on their impact? And also on the other side, how do we make it easy for philanthropists, foundations, donor advice funds, 
to see the full legacy of all they are giving in a single dashboard. So at the moment on the nonprofit platform, uh, we have over 900 participating nonprofits. These are global curated nonprofits um, that have high impact. And then we also do innovations with philanthropists. We built um, a bespoke dashboard for mental health where we've curated or we've helped build, you know, sort of uh, a dashboard that allows solutions in nonprofits or nonprofits that work in the mental health space to get profiled. And these sets or, or these nonprofits are then visible to any philanthropist who wants to invest into the mental health space. We can do similar innovations in other thematic zones as well. And we also have a solution for donor advice funds uh, or how to really bring the DAF solution, uh, how to make it digital, but also how to add the impact layer to it, which is something that donors often say, like, I give, but I don't get to really feel, is it really making an impact? And how do we join those dots together? So that's, you know, sort of the nonprofit solution. And then similar in the nonprofit, you have the nonprofits and the philanthropists. In the for-profit zone, you have companies and you have investors or asset managers. So we have a similar solution for asset managers where they can add all their portfolio companies onto the platform and then they can track how each of these companies are performing on their environmental and social initiatives and, and uh, how they're performing against their ESG scores. And they can track how they engage with these portfolio companies on a day-to-day -day basis and generate um, insights on what more can they do to really improve the sustainability credential of their portfolios. And now with sort of rising regulation around climate disclosures, around sustainability disclosures, and asset management increasingly, you know, being pressured to become more transparent about their investment activities. A lot of these processes are sort of behind the curtain. Asset managers do a lot uh, when it comes to managing sustainability, but they've always tracked this on spreadsheets or meeting notes. So these, uh, it's been analog to date, sort of the whole process. And what Munch has done is made a digital solution that's scalable, that's cost effective, and that really helps asset managers meet the needs of today and, and really demonstrate 21st century stewardship. So yeah, that's us. And this is a marketplace, right? I mean, you're looking at, at putting the both sides of the equation together and providing the data to help those be better informed. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah the uh, the data where does it come from and how do you how do you ensure that it's timely and uh, relevant and all of those things yeah i think the the way i would say is there are two strands to it most asset managers when we spoke with them as when we were thinking about this idea and we showed them sort of the vision of what we wanted to build they said getting the data is not our challenge we have plenty of sources of um, receiving data. Um, there are many data providers and many asset managers have their own in-house research teams that are looking and col consolidating these data sets. So where we've again focused our innovation on is what is it they do after they have the data and how do they track 
the decisions they are making or the engagements they have? How do they raise issues? How do they track the progress companies are making and have ability to have real-time insights at any given point in time um, where their portfolio sits? If any investor had to call them and say, hey, what are you doing with my money? And I, I just got this, I just picked up this news about uh, controversy with uh, Apple and cobalt mining. The asset manager can literally go on the system and say, We've, we saw this issue on this date. Our team has picked it up with the head of ESG at Apple. And this is what we're doing. And uh, this kind of real-time feedback loop um, that asset managers will be able to have with the solution will actually help them differentiate how they manage and steward the assets, but also how responsive they are uh, to their stakeholders. And, and I, my personal sort of bet in this whole sector is that asset managers who can demonstrate stewardship and return, because that's their fiduciary duty as well, and can do this in a way that can be responsive to the sort of ever-changing market uh, landscape, they will be the winners in, in, in this game. And, and they need to be able to do this in a cost-effective way. And from the platform's perspective then, are you grabbing the, uh, the data being fed into the asset manager? Are you you're grabbing them and then adding some sort of analysis on top of that? Is, is that how it yeah. works? Yeah, and we generally tend to integrate with whatever data systems the asset managers are using, rather than saying use our data set to use our solution. And this means our solution can work with any data um, that's out there. And, and that also allows us to continually improve and upgrade and, and make it interoperable so that uh, we can learn also from how, how it's done. I think, you know, with any technology, we need to remember there's also the transition and the culture change that comes with any kind of adoption. So we are mindful that we are not introducing something that just becomes a hard jump for asset managers. And how do we make it seamless for them to migrate or not even migrate to be able to work with their system? and increasingly make it easy and easy for them, like take out all their manual burden and make it um, an automated journey. What about those data providers? And uh, do you work with them as well? I mean, are, in other words, being agnostic about who that asset manager might be, but looking at those sources of data that funnel the data into the institutional investors and, and maybe working with them in order to, to use them as a distribution channel, for lack of a better term. Yep. Um, we, this year, we will be launching a few integrations with data providers, and we've already started to map. The ones that are easier for us are the ones that already have public APIs, because once it's uh, once they've, the data providers built their systems in a way that other technologies can build on top of that, it really improves the service for the sector. So our first protocol is to work with data providers that already share or have commercial licenses um, that allow us to integrate with them. And then sort of our next stop will be, you know, sort of more sort of working with custom data that large investment houses tend to have internal research teams uh, collated by internal teams. Mm. Yeah. The degrees of sophistication, perhaps in the philanthropy world or the not-for-profit space, and you mentioned you had was it 900 uh nonprofits mm -hmm. who, who are on the platform 
I imagine there's a spectrum of sophistication levels, right? In some some foundations and nonprofits are very switched on on the tech and quant side and all of that. Others maybe not so much. So they have a big heart, but maybe not so much the technical expertise in in, in this space. How do you cater for for those who are perhaps a little bit uh, less well versed in the uh, let's say the investment uh, and grant making world? So yeah, switching to you know sort of the nonprofit side, when we set out to build the platform, our first aim was how do we make it easy, and two, how do we ensure you know general the general saying is one size cannot fit all, and our endeavor was how can we make sure it can fit as many as possible. Maybe it won't fit all, but can we work with? Um, and so when we built the first layer of the solution, we've obviously developed it a lot more. We tested it out with nonprofits that had just started. They were less than a year old without any evidence of uh, any work prior. And then we worked with some very large nonprofits that received, you know, sort of over 20 million each year in grants. And we wanted to make sure like what were the common pain points and what were the common ways in which they were either you know sort of collating or preparing their pitch material for grants and then how they were reporting um, to their uh, donors um, and how frequently etc so the solution again is built in a way that if especially if you're in UK nonprofit then you can simply sort of set up your account it's linked with the charity commission api so you don't have to fill long forms and recreate your profile you're only adding additional information that does not exist on the charity commission platform and then we've helped them to break down their fundraising journey into projects or so it's not like uh, it's not restricted funding but it's more helping nonprofits think about how they will be using their money in a way that will allow them to demonstrate their impact. And, and there's a very simple sort of data entry form that allows them to simply say, uh, share like an exact summary, what is it they are planning to do? What are the core activities? What are their impact touch points when it comes to people and planet? And we've broken that down into like check boxes. So they don't need even have to think and it's it's not like words that we then have to rework against and then we've tagged these checkpoints with the sdg framework so they don't have to think about the sustainable development goals it's automatically generated and this allows us to make comparison between two different projects without the bias of you know, someone having thought of sdgs in one way and another person having thought of sdgs in another way and how much money are they going to need and what are the kind of metrics they're going to watch for or track to evidence the impact that they have generated. So it's, a, you know, sort of an organization that's even spending a little bit of time thinking properly in terms of, you know, what they're planning to do and, and by when and what they're going to need. Within a few minutes, they can just enter that information and generate a two-page PDF which has a summary and their impact all in, in, in a snapshot. And um, this, again, helps them save time and effort in recreating their material and it can keep consistency. A lot of nonprofits now have, you know, sort of five, six projects 
and it allows them to aggregate those projects and see if we did all five of these, what's our impact, etc. So it's it's um, designed in a way that uh, it's simple and it can be tracked. And for donors, it's it's a gift because the the organizations they fund they know are not going to spend precious money on consultants trying to report back on the impact they've had. Um, they're not spending um, as much money on, you know, sort of getting fundraisers or consultants or even the fundraisers and consultants can actually spend time on raising money rather than creating documents. So, yeah, how do we improve the sort of investment per dollar? Uh, that's one. And the second is how do we make it scalable and comparable? Um, and and how do we make nonprofits that are really doing the work visible? On that specific point, a philanthropist or a grant maker uh, can hop onto your platform and then what? Uh, do a, a search thematically, perhaps SDG for education or gender for SDG five, what have you. And then uh, a, a list of curated uh, nonprofits would pop up with specific data relevant to each one. Is, is that roughly how it works? Exactly. Yeah. Or they can, it's like an Amazon. You can select geography. You can say, I'm interested in education charities or nonprofits in India, and it would show up. And there is a lot we can do with this platform. And, you know, sort of with the right kind of um, donors, we know, you know, if they're interested in helping us, you know, develop this further, we can do yeah, so much more in really amplifying and bringing together the fragmented efforts on all these thematic zones that are happening, but are not visible. And therefore, it always feels that, oh, I gave my money to this education charity, but I don't see impact. But the reality is they're all part of a value chain. When you think of, okay, let's solve for education and let's solve for education access in Africa. There are so many nonprofits that need to partner together to make that possible, all the way from infrastructure, schools, teachers, training the teachers. So it's it's all of that, that generally, you know, sort of never gets seen as a whole. And um, that's where I think the possibility of technology and, and really joining up efforts. Excellent. It seems like these are quite different worlds in the sense of the, the, the private sector, uh, asset managers, uh, investing into corporates, very much within a sustainability ESG sort of mindset. And I, if I place that on one side and then slightly adjacent and, and perhaps somewhat disjointed, even though it's the same sustainability agenda, I sense the philanthropy and the not-for-profit investor, uh, grant makers, and so forth. Am I wrong? Are they very different worlds? Yes, they are very different worlds. Um, and they are also very different motivations. Um, yeah, they're two different things. But in the long run, it's almost think of it as like a thousand-piece puzzle you're trying to solve. Um, uh, you know, it, it looks like, um, you know, everyone has a different strategy of how to put together a thousand piece puzzle. Um, the way, at least how I think of it is I like to put the edges together first and then I'll, I'll look at, you know, sort of what's happening in the middle. Um, and so that's how I say I've, I've put the edges around how we give money and what's possible in that zone, how we give money, uh, how we invest money and what's happening in that zone, how we are spending money 
how companies are you know paying their employees and what kind of projects they invest so helping companies also navigate this and that creates you know sort of the bo- the boundaries within which we want to play and then as um clients or um you know sort of asset managers or philanthropists come to the party and say hey i'd like to build you know i'd like to invest in you helping you build this part of the of the solution then you know we have a team that's ready to work and 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 then you know sort of build that so that's sort of how i describe how how we work as a company um we built you know sort of an initial solution around philanthropy we we were able to take it to you know sort of uh, a much more advanced level than than anything that exists in the market and having done that it in, incited the interest of other donors and they wanted to scale it and and that's how we've built the philanthropy solution and at the same time one of our clients during covid said to us hey you've built this for our nonprofit and uh, we help curate nonprofits for this large asset manager so that they would be able to give a percentage of their proceeds to this nonprofit that directly was adding additionality and materiality to the theme of this fund um and they said but you know we have a similar need around our investments as well and so we said you know we are not just a philanthropy solution we also work here so let's identify what this is and 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 then we built the asset manager solution and now we have a very experienced team over 15 years experience in asset management in data and ai and transition um uh, of you know sort of digitizing asset management um but all of this is only possible once i set the intention and um and and then i feel like the right team comes together and and we are able to deliver but as i said our aim is in the end um the world i'd like to see is where no child wakes up anywhere in this world and says or oh, if i only had access to certain resource my life would be better um i don't think um um that's fair especially in today's world i think i went, i grew up in a very humble uh big, i had a very humble beginning in india in mumbai and during the time when i was born it was okay to be poor and you know not have access to education etc etc or resources um i think now in this this world i think not having enough money is not an excuse we have plenty of money to take care of all our needs we just have to now innovate to create a business model and uh, a, a model that allows for uh economies to benefit more of us uh, rather than a few of us speaking of speaking of business models is there one aspect of what you do that's most challenging to scale up yeah uh, we've learned i've learned definitely a lot as an entrepreneur uh when we built you know sort of the first version of the philanthropy platform we built it uh, as a you know sort of a fundraising crowdfunding tool and it was only later i realized oh my gosh we are not a fundraising organization we are a tech company uh so having a business model which is built on you know sort of us being able to raise money uh where we don't have the capacity was like a realization i can only build a successful company on the merits of my strengths and so that sort of informed 
you know, sort of how we pivot and who we place our solutions in front of. And now I constantly ask, you know, if I choose this way, how much can I scale? And if the answer is, if there are any limits to it, then I kind of reserve the idea until we've either cracked for scale or we've cracked that the impact of doing this even in a non-scalable way actually makes it a reason why we go down this avenue. Uh, many times, you know, I think how much ever we think in the future, doing something to the next stage, you know, sort of then you see the, the next stage after, you, you know, you can't solve for more than eight steps kind of thing. The, the business model itself is it is the is the private segment of the platform arguably the more lucrative versus the philanthropy side I'm, what's the model look like yeah. in terms of you know so uh, who, now who we, pays, we how do they do, pay <laughs> yeah now we just do b2b so business to business our core clients are only businesses or registered organizations uh, whether they are non-profits donors donor advised funds or you know trusts on the one side and then the asset managers on the other side um, the philanthropy platform is self-sustaining so we don't actually need to spend any more and if anything more needs to be done uh, technically then it generally comes with you know sort of the ask from uh, from our clients like we want you to invest in certain upgrades and that that sort of pays for it on the asset management side, it's a massive market. Uh, and it's again, B2B monthly subscription model. So yeah, this year our focus is going to be really ramping up the asset management side. It's a timely solution. Um, we are first to market. So we wanna make sure we, we leverage this. And the UK government actually has released in the 2020 uh, stewardship code. So we've built the platform around the code So and there are, you know, hundreds of signatories to the code as well. So all of them have reporting requirements annually. Um, so we know we can, you know, sort of build from there and take it much further. Excellent. So now, you know, 2023, what are you most excited about for this year? Oh, so many things. Um, we are in the midst of our fundraise. I'm hoping by the end of this quarter, we'll celebrate uh, closure. That will definitely help us ramp up our efforts and, and reach more. And I, you know, I, I, I was saying to you earlier, I think uh, I always say this, at least within our team, you know, when the company is ready, the clients appear. This year, I really feel we've done everything we can to make the per perfect product. Although there's no perfect, there's always a better product. Um, the, uh, and we are continuously making it even better. So I'm, I'm really proud of, you know, sort of what we've done in a very short period of time and the talent we've been able to attract and um with, within munch you know sort of our journey has been you know sort of ideating impact and then the next year was validating impact and the next year was commercializing impact uh this year i'm saying it's our year of scale we are going to scale Excellent. impact <laughs> i love it i love it what's your website address and uh, give the give the company's full spelling, uh, proper spelling as well, because some people listening may not know how to spell the, the company name. Yes, it's called munch.com. And the spelling is M-A-A-N-C-H. And like I said, munch means platform uh, in Hindi. Excellent. Wonderful. Well, so if you want to take a look and find out a little bit more, you know where to go. So Darshi, 
Do you have a key takeaway you'd love to share with us? Something that you'd love for the audience to keep in mind after they finish listening to today's episode? Yeah, I think the one thing that has always sort of, even from the time I started, um, um, the one thing that that really inspired me was uh, my little daughter. She's not little anymore. She's 13 now. And I remember during my toughest time, um in in this journey where you know there's no support from anywhere and feels constrained and i was crying one evening um and she said to me mom why is it so easy to destroy the planet and so hard to save it and that was my mantra for myself and i really wish this you know for others to think about as well how do we make saving the planet easy um and how do we support endeavors that help us make that better planet. And anything we can do with how we invest money, how we give money, how we spend our money is one definite way in which we can make it, uh, make sustainability easy. I love it, I love it. Well, let's uh, hear here, you know, to your continued success and let's make uh, saving the planet an easy uh, thing to do if, if we can. Thanks so much for for joining us today, Darshi, and, and it's been great seeing you again. And I wish you continued success. Thank you. Likewise. <laughs> Perfect. And that's a wrap. Thanks very much for tuning in. As always, you've been listening to a great chat with Darshi Gillis, founder and chief executive officer of Munch. For information about this conversation and more than 200 other case studies and interviews with remarkable leaders in philanthropy, sustainability, and social entrepreneurship, just visit our website at liji.org. That's L-I-D-J-I.org. Please click that subscribe button and follow us if you're not doing so already. And do leave us a rating and a review. It helps others to find this show as well. Thanks ever so much for joining us today and I'll catch you on Monday.